Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston. Stories teach us so much. They're a chance to see how someone succeeded. Stories uplift, they inspire and inform. Stories show us the way. In the spotlight, a woman whose story is all about leadership. She's a role model for so many women, including me. Susan Brady is the author of Mastering Your Inner Critic and seven other high hurdles to advancement. She's also the newly named Managing Director of the Simmons University Institute for Leadership. Susan, welcome to the story behind her success. Thank you. I really am so happy to have you here. So let's do what we call Candio's lightning round. And this is because we want listeners to get a quick snapshot of your personality. Here we go. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Morning person or night owl? Morning. Do it now, do it later? Do it now. Duncan or Starbucks? Starbucks. Watch sports or be in the sports? At watch. <laughs> Book that changed your life. Not your own, you can't say that. Probably the situational leadership. Mm-hmm. Last show you binge-watched. It's a toss-up between Ray Donovan and Billions right now. That's a glimpse into Susan <laughs> Brady. So let's find out the rest of your story. You are the newly named managing director at the Simmons University Institute for Leadership. Just about a month into the job. And I have to say that when I think Simmons, I think their leadership conference, their whole vibe is so all female empowerment all the time. Tell us about it. Simmons has a 100-year history and really is the pioneer in women's leadership. They're also the pioneer in male allyship. You know, Simmons was founded by John Simmons, whose aim was to begin a learning institution that for one reason and one reason only, and that was to create an environment where women had independent livelihood, right, where we could learn to earn. What a legacy, what a joy it is to be there to carry on that legacy in the corporate space. I was very inspired. Recently, the um, Simmons College became Simmons University and as a result created four independent colleges within the university. One of them was uh, named after the great Gwen Eiffel. The Gwen Eiffel College of Media Arts and Humanities was just birthed about a year ago. What was so inspiring to me is seeing several of her quotes in this particular college building, one of which has been my guiding light since pretty much the first week. And that is that change occurs through listening, understanding, caring, and conversation. And every day I think about this quote. I have it written down both at home and at work because really my job right now, Candy, is just to listen, to understand, to care about the people I'm working with, and to converse with them. There's a whole history, you know, and I'm coming in to run this institute. So, you know, it's so interesting that you should use that as your guide for walking into this job because the best boss I ever worked for was a guy named Matt Mills. And he's a radio legend. In his first month, his first 30 days running a big radio group here in Boston, he kept his door open and he did a daily stroll all around the radio station a couple of times just to make friends, just to memorize names, to find out what your wife's name is, what's your husband's name, what's your dog's name, what do you love to do? And that was his way of learning about the culture at the radio station. And it sounds like Gwen Eiffel's advice is working for you too. 
I've got big ideas, and I'm not afraid to encourage a lot of people to help us bring them to action and to mm-hmm. life. I want to have reverence for all of the wonderful things that have been built before I arrived. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, the Institute are well-known conferences. So the Simmons Leadership Conference has been around for 40 years. It's the oldest women's leadership conference that I know of, uh, and I've been in this business for half of my life. So it's an honor. We welcome almost 4,000 women and some men every spring. And then we also have a leadership conference in Dublin in the fall. So this is our third year having an international conference. And then we've had executive ed for years and years and a center for gender and organization, which is research for years as well. The Institute's charter is to take these wonderful assets, if you will, and then to bring them into sort of a new and even more powerful way of being. We're working on what that looks like. Give me your definition of leadership. Leadership is inspiring others to do what they might not have done otherwise. As you look out into the world today, in government, in big business, in philanthropy, who are the leaders, male or female, whom you admire most? I'm on a little bit of a Ruth Bader Ginsburg kick. I did see just both the documentary and the movie. I'm really attracted to game-changing leaders who challenge a status quo and a paradigm that some people might not see as flawed or might not see as wrong because it's what they're used to, and then create a new day and a new world for others. She's my latest. You are the author of the book, Mastering Your Inner Critic. Writing a book is a labor of love. Indeed. Tell me a little bit about the moment that you decided to write this incredible book. Was it a light bulb moment for you? Tell me. Well, it was more like a slow boil. I did this sort of backwards. Most people I know have a great idea or do great research, come to a conclusion about some things, decide to write a book, and then get asked to speak about it. And it sort of all came the other way around for me. I spoke at the Women in Leadership Institute, which is a 20-year-old event that I was core in founding in 1999, produced by a global leadership development training company called Linkage, which Mm -hmm. I used to be on the executive team of. I spoke one year at the encouragement of several of my mentors and decided to share the story of my inner critic and act it out because I had reconciled lots of different life lessons, how to return to a place of worthiness despite my imperfections. I thought, you know, I bet other women could relate to this. I almost started out in front of a big stage and then kind of honed the dialogue over time. By the time I actually got a book contract from McGraw-Hill, I had probably done 300 large keynotes to hundreds of people. And I want you to know it's because women asked me to. You know those things that you have, Candy, that you're like, I got to do this before I die. Like, this is on my bucket list. Writing a book wasn't, honestly. I didn't need to do it for me. When I was asked and asked and asked, I thought, you know what? Okay. I'm going to get this out. Like, And then it became this, I got to get this out, right? It became that final month of pregnancy when you want to just get it out. Yeah. I'm going to guess that because you had done about 300 keynotes before you even sat down to try to write this book, that you had also been able to boil down, here's what works, here's what resonates with the crowd, here's what doesn't work. How was that? I had the good fortune of running into all the perfect people along the way. I mean, it's amazing how that happens in life. Not only in my personal life, but for sure in my professional world, I have had the good fortune of working with so many brilliant women who frankly have experienced reckoning with their own inner critic, but also navigating these tricky hurdles that are unique to women leaders. And 
I feature several women in each chapter. I feature one in particular in each chapter as sort of th- this is someone who's who I know has hurdled and is willing to talk about it. I feel every step of the way there was ease in this. I had a lot that I wanted to get out. Some chapters and some hurdles just were easier for me to write about because I related to them more or I had my own story. One of the things I learned from the wonderful Danya Dickerson, who was my editor at McGraw-Hill, is that readers are actually quite selfish. They want something for themselves when they read. While I was thinking I was being generous sharing my narrative, what's true is giving myself permission to step in to give advice was my big learning writing this book. I know a lot about how to navigate as a leader, but also as a woman leader, that I've learned from others. I found my voice in many ways writing this book as well. Confidence is a choice. We have to decide to be confident. We are not born with confidence. And I'm thinking you probably agree because the book is called Mastering Your Inner Critic, Mm -hmm. which I think must have to do with self-esteem and confidence. Yeah. I see worthiness and a belief in your own worthiness as actually very different and distinctive from confidence. I have learned over the years from many teachers is confidence is something that you build. You take action to build confidence, whereas worthiness and self-esteem, you don't build it, you believe it. The wisdom of this practice that I spell out in the book and the change it made for me personally is a reminder that it's a return to feeling worthy because we're introduced to all the ways we're not quite good enough or how something out there could be the holy grail of being enough, right? That's what we're sold. What if I have a mechanism internally to return to feeling okay right here, right now, in this body, at this age, with all my imperfections, and from there I lead with this knowingness, and from there I think, you know what? I want to build some confidence around speaking a different language or navigating in a completely different organizational environment, or I'm going to try my hat at maybe even becoming a mom or having a more serious relationship, whatever it is. You know, I've come to believe that as adults, we don't take as many chances as we did when we were children. Things get a little cozy and comfortable, and we are in a space where we're starting to churn it up and we're doing really well, so why don't I just keep doing this? Because it's comfortable. My friend and mentor, Carla Harris, who is just brilliant in every way, has this great quote. She says, most women have a two-year conversation between their ears before they make a change. And I'm out to speed that up. Although I got to tell you, I'm not that much faster. I have to think about every possible angle before I really go for it. The subtitle is The Seven Other High Hurdles to Advancement. Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through those seven hurdles? Here's what happens. The wrestling with our good enoughs comes up intermittently and has two faces to it. One is, are we good enough? And the other is, are they good enough? This is how we bounce between, "Mm, is that someone that's worthy of my time? Or I could do it better, or even feeling inwardly critical of another person versus having that same voice on ourselves. That inner critic gets in our way as we look to scale hurdles. And so The first hurdle of the inner critic almost is the mother of the other seven hurdles, if you will. But essentially, evergreen issues came up, Candy, as I worked with women leaders, with groups, and some of my colleagues at Linkage worked. We polled, we surveyed, we saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women at our conferences. We learned a whole lot about what they were tripping over on their path to leadership. And it was quite interesting. Some of the hurdles were expected because they'd been researched, like negotiating for ourselves, (laughs) Others were a little bit more 
nuance, and it took us a while to surface what was really going on. I believe that, you know, our lives come in chapters, and every job that we do teaches us something. And you've just come from a long run as EVP at Linkage Incorporated. What did you learn from that job? The interesting thing about this particular job is that we're in the business of leadership development, and by definition, I had the opportunity to work with some of the best leadership thinkers and speakers and authors in the world living today. A big part of this tenure at Linkage was, for me, building this global practice to help accelerate the time until we reach gender parity in leadership. Mm -hmm. Right now, 80, 100 years, you and I won't be here for it. I want to be here for Mm -hmm. it when we see real gender parity in leadership in, in all sectors. Building that global practice, learning about diversity and inclusion and equity, and becoming well-versed in women's leadership, all of that happened because of the people that I was surrounded by and the journey that I was on. It was learning to be a thought leader, stepping into my own voice. Here's the most important thing I learned, though, which I'm giggling about now that I'm in a new job. Being an expert, consultant, coach, and speaker, and an author, is about a thousand times easier than leading. Hats off to every leader out there. Going in and leading is hard work. While you were there, you founded the Linkage Women in Leadership Institute. And I'm wondering if you feel like a trailblazer in creating something like that. I feel like the hard work was back in 1999. I was at Linkage for four years before That was when we sort of had the corner of the market on all conferences related to HR topics, leadership among them. I was telling the president and CEO and gang at the time that there's a marketplace for women's leadership. And this had been pointed out to me by several mentors who I trusted. The trailblazer was probably back then because I was told at first, well, it could be a session at our big leadership event. I said, no, 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 it could be its own thing. Well, maybe it'll be a pre-conference or a post-conference. I'm like, no, 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 it could be its own thing. So I went back, I think, three or four times with different business plans to the executive team saying, no, 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 there is a gap in the market, and I think it's going to be flooded with women's leadership events. We might as well be one of the first among a broader, deeper conference. I feel pride about that, yeah. I have a question to ask as I watch you answer that, and that is when someone says no to Susan Brady... What happens? You just go back again and again. You wear them down, sister. Give them a little more love, Candy. You know how this works, right? (laughs) If I have my mind made up about having someone on the team or needing to connect, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get it done. go for it. You've had a chance, as you said, through Linkage and now at Simmons to work with great people. What are the key attributes of a great leader, Susan? Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Almazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. It's really about forging a relationship and having a trusting relationship because your technology is very personal to you. It used to be in the old days that things were private. When you're online, nothing is private anymore. And we want to make sure that that information is kept confidential and with somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable with. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit techhelpboston.com. That's techhelpboston.com. Uh, the leaders worth following that I have seen 
first and foremost, really get that leadership is a business of people. It is a relationship. They care about communicating, transparency, hearing the voices of all the different folks in the room. They care about creating difference so that underrepresented populations get to play and be heard. Mm. They create a safe environment. There's a lot of research on psychological safety. That's created by leaders, leaders who listen and leaders who are forthcoming and leaders who are vulnerable. You know, you got to show you care before you expect others to care about your agenda. Many people think that you need to be an extrovert to be an effective leader. For the past couple of years, my opinion is changing on that. And I'm coming to understand that the attributes of introverts lend themselves beautifully to leadership because they listen and they balance people. And what do you think? I will tell you that extroverts among us, myself included, have a harder time doing the very things that I just said make for great leadership. And the reason why in our defense is because oftentimes we like to think out loud. I feel like leadership is energy. Yes. When it comes to extroversion, that energy can be too much. My gregarious, big-hearted, extroverted, friendly affect, I've had to rein in consciously, Candy, to just say, whoa, I don't want my energy to be so big that it overshadows others because it leaves them out. Let's talk a little bit about your background and growing up because I always tell everyone who I have the honor of sitting across from that I really believe that our parents, our caregivers shape us. Tell me a little bit about growing up. What was it like in your house? I grew up on the island of Martha's Vineyard, raised by a single father. I had an older brother, Bill. Being day-to-day with dad, I think that I had a pretty big blindness to gender bias over the course of my life. In fact, believed in meritocracy until it proved different for me, right? Meritocracy being like, if I just work hard and go for it, smile along the way, you know, everything will come together and we'll accomplish things and um, I can step into different leadership roles and, and do what I want. And then I faced the ugly truth that alive and well are a lot of invisible hurdles and a lot of gender bias even today. You are a wife, a mother now, you have daughters. Yes. What is your message to them as you start to get them ready to go out into the world? I have two beautiful daughters. Caroline is 16 and Abigail is 13. Those are tough ages, right? We're in the middle of the tweens and teens. They are glorious and I hope they find grace and hurdle the hurdles in life with grace and know how absolutely worthy they are and bring themselves back to a place of worthiness because at the end of the day, that's going to be theirs. That's their job, you know, to feel good enough. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received in your life? It's probably a germ of of what I ended up devoting my life's work to recently, which is go for it. It came right out of my father's mouth literally on his deathbed when I had a trip and I couldn't be there and he could barely speak and he whispered, go for it. And he had told me that all my life. And I thought, but dad, and he just kept saying, go for it. It's been a muse to me. It's, It's a belief that I have value. I have something unique to give the world and I want other people to know they have value and they have a unique gift to give the world. And I feel like the source of that was the piece of advice of just go for it. It's simple. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? My husband is my best coach. He's an introvert. 
Jamie is wise and he's a thinker and he's an introvert. Usually when I meet an obstacle, he has a thoughtful thing to say and it's usually something along the lines of take a breath and then I can see more clearly and recharge and go forward. There are women all around the world, young and old, some who don't have the same freedoms as you and I do and they listen to this program. What do you say to them about finding a role model or having a mantra like just go for it? What do you say? Well, first of all, keep listening because it's stories of women who are a source of inspiration that you can adopt. I believe in the stories of women who are inspiring, which is why I really love your show. And I would also say the source of knowingness that you are worthy in the world and that you are on the planet with unique gifts and talents. That whispering can certainly come from others. It also can come from you. Being able to say the mantra, it's not that you're better or worse than anybody else, it's that you are enough and you matter and you have unique value. You have all in your heart and mind and you can. I too need to fuel my energy from the source of different people who provide me inspiration. When I can't drum it up for myself, keep listening, keep reading, keep looking for the path forward, and you will find it. Here's what I'm just realizing now, is when you feel that you can't do it, remember the story of the woman who could and did and do what she did. Until those thoughts, those feelings, that strength, that energy becomes yours. Margie Worrell, who I interviewed for my book, calls that borrowed confidence. And I love it. If you're staring down the thing that you've never done and you're telling yourself, how can I possibly do it? For me, it was like, like, write a book. It's, wait a minute. Well, that person wrote a book and that person wrote a book and my mentor over here wrote a book. I think you're right on the money there. The other thing I would say about leadership and about women from anywhere in the world that they know they have something to give the world. One of the things that really profoundly shifted my journey is realizing that it was really about being in service of others. When I felt clear how my gifts and talents could be in service of others, the universe started to conspire to help me move it all along. Find those in need. Find where your gifts and talents serve others, and it changes the frame, and things will start to move. At this moment, in this chapter This deep in your career, what does success mean to you, Susan Brady? I'm not here to play small, and I get that, and I own it, which means I'm looking forward to a moment of getting people from all over the world highly engaged in the conversation to finally right some inequities. And I think the working world is the place to do it, and I think I have a good voice that can bring together men and women to make it happen. I feel called to do that. I want to thank you so much for sharing so much of your story with me, Susan, and for honestly being one of my role models, for being a real inspiration to me. Susan Brady, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Story Behind Her Success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about her. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?